Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for uh, joining me today. I hope you're having a great day up to this point. And this hour will be great. It'll be Deep Thinker Thursday. John and Pam Bloom are in studio, so I'll be bringing them on in just a minute. Looking forward to them. They are fresh back from the Philippines. And John did some speaking there. And uh, we're going to hear some reflections on what was going on in the Philippines. And we're going to talk about some articles as well on DesiringGod.org. And so that is uh, what's ahead in this hour. Um, you know, I, I love God's amazing world that he created. I, every time I turn around and read something about his creation, I find it fascinating. I saw that lizards, and I'm not a big lizard fan, but lizards cannot run and breathe at the same time. Because as they run, their bodies twist and squeeze the air right out of their lungs. So they have to stop frequently to catch their own breath. I just think the way God created the world and everything in it, it is an endless source of fascination to me. And it probably is to you, too, because um, God is so masterful in his creation. And when you think of worms, I mean, if I was creating worms, I would have stopped at about four. And I think there's like 10,000 different kinds of worms. I'm thinking God in his creativity cannot wait to see his artist studio with his palette and his painting and his colors. And when you look, if you ever go scuba diving or you go snorkeling in Hawaii and you look down and you think, you've got to be kidding me with all the colors and all the design and all the, the, the different shapes, and it's crazy. Um, here's another crazy fact that I don't know why I'm on a crazy fact phase, uh, but this will be maybe a good thing when you get to heaven. In space, astronauts don't snore because without gravity, their airwaves never get blocked. So maybe when you get to heaven, there'll be no snoring. <laughs> That'd be kind of nice. Anyway, Deep Thinker Thursday is around the corner. That's why I got this stuff out of the way now so we can get to Deep Thinker Thursday. We'll take a 60-second break and bring on the blooms. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Many of us know these verses by heart. But have these words of Jesus transformed our lives? Do we love God with all of our hearts, souls, and minds? Do we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? This is the theme of the 2019 Pray Together Sunday. Ask your church to participate on July 7th and join with congregations across America who will ask God for the same thing, that we would be people who love God and love others well. Register and find resources for your church at nae.net slash praytogether. Pray Together Sunday on July 7th is organized by the National Association of Evangelicals, where we use influence for good. Welcome back to the show. We've got uh, John and Pam Bloom in studio, which we call that Deep Thinker Thursday. They just uh, got back from a trip to the Philippines. I want to hear all about that. And also it dawned on me, thanks to Pam telling me, that uh, this is their 
really their one-year anniversary of being regulars on the afternoon show, which coincides with my one-year anniversary of doing this show. So I think we started this off together. Uh, That's yeah. right. Yeah, so Pam, might you have some reflections on the one-year anniversary of doing the show? I do. I am I'm surprised at myself saying I'm glad I've been doing this because it you don't know how awkward it felt for me to come in here and do this with you. I, I feel like I came in here on accident. Like you had been interviewing John and you and John and Peter mm-hmm. were talking yeah, for a while. True. And then there was a morning I was at home listening to you, to you guys talking live. John had just written an article of what we did on our anniversary last spring. And I was listening to him tell the story and the conversation turned and I knew that he didn't get to say my favorite part that I knew he intended to talk about. And so I texted him like, like if I was sitting here, I would have said, and I would have interjected something, Mm -hmm. but I texted it. And I think you saw it and said, who's texting you during this interview? And he said, it's Pam. And, and then he said, well, my wife is coaching me from home. (laughs) (laughs) And and Bill said, should we get her on? Should we call her? Is that how it started? Yep. You said, should we call her? I said, yeah, let's do it. And then he texts me back and says, Bill wants you to join on the radio. And I thought, oh, no, this is not what I had planned. (laughs) (laughs) And so then you put me on live and I finished the interview with you. And then I didn't have time to get nervous. It was just like, well, here we go. And so I joined telling the story together and it was fun. And then you said. And you did great. Yeah, I remember you did great. Wow. And then you said, let's do this again. And it, it kind of felt like this dare, like. I dare you. Do you want to do it? And, and I kind of took it. Like, That's how I well, feel coming into the studio every day. <laughs> I, I can understand well, I now. I dare do this. And then knowing your background in comedy, and then I thought, oh, I'm not going to do well under that pressure. What's he going to say? What? I just was full of being nervous. But I thought, I'm just going to get over that fear. And that turned out to be fun the first time. Let's see what it's like next time. And then we ended up doing it every month since then. And we've really enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. and every time we come, we drive together in the car, and we're often we have not had time to prepare as much as I would like. John has spent hours writing an article, and I'm coming in with like that's not my material, but I I'll try to join you where I can. And we're praying, God, what do you want us to talk about? You know, the people who are listening, you know what their needs are. So would you fill us with your spirit and turn the conversation wherever you want? And he's clearly done that we've given thanks every time afterward like that was amazing but we felt pretty inadequate and weak and like what do we say but God's bringing scriptures to mind stories and we're looking at each other learning how to collaborate and talk and share some storytelling and it's actually um, it's been good and I'm really thankful that you invited me to come well, I would, I've said this before many times. When the blooms come in, it's like we do church. That really <laughs> is God. because not only do you speak truth to the listeners, but the listeners respond in ways that many have called, many have um, asked for uh, your counsel on certain issues. We've prayed for many, many people, mm-hmm. and it's been a big deal. It's been really uh, exciting to watch what God has been doing in this hour. Yeah. So as I was looking back and thinking about how I felt about coming, I thought this is not just my story, but there's probably other couples or friends where they might really admire the gifts that someone else has. I feel this toward John, like he is, he really knows the word he has written for years. He has spoken and I can feel like, well, that's his thing. I should just 
step out of that and let him do it. But it, um, it's it exposed where I feel fearful and shouldn't, and where I can, even when you called it Deep Thinker Thursday, I thought, oh, I shouldn't be here. Why? I'm not a deep thinker. And I told that to a friend. She's like, yes, you are. And the more I thought about it, it's like we all can be deep thinkers and not say, oh, I'm not that because I'm not educated or that's not my skill set or something. But if we're all students of the word, we're becoming deeper thinkers. We're trying to understand God's ways and that requires deep thinking. And none of us should be intimidated by that, like, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, and if you didn't like the title, Deep Thinker Thursday, why did you both get matching tattoos that says (laughs) Deep Thinker Thursday? (laughs) It's just a way of trying to (laughs) drive it into our (laughs) belief system. Just to let the world know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pam, that's really sweet. It really is sweet to hear uh, those your be your, your reflections and and your your support, your comments on the air have been amazing. They really have every bit as deep and insightful as I would ever hope for. So, thank you. Yeah, and I think what she's saying is something that's really important for everybody to know that that um, this isn't about you know levels of literacy or education or you know, eloquence or anything like that that that, that can that makes somebody a, a deep thinker necessarily. That's not just a that's not just for certain people. Yes, certain people have, you know, different intellectual giftings and, and things like that. But if according to what Paul wrote in Romans uh, twelve two, that we are not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, that's that's something for all of us. If we, if that's happening, um, what's what's happening is we are being transformed to be thinking like God thinks, because we are thinking His thoughts after Him. We are being conformed to His Word. The more we are. S- soaking in his word, the more we tend to think like him and the more we tend to speak like him and the more we tend to answer questions that would be, that are, that are biblical. And so um, that's really the qualifications for the, a quote unquote deep thinker is somebody who is, who is soaking in the word and then therefore has something to share because it doesn't matter if I, I or, or Pam says something that we think we can share our opinions. That's one thing, but that's not going to, transform anybody's no. life. No. The only thing that transforms our lives is what God has to say. And so anybody who has a Bible and soaks in that can do that. Some are more gifted in articulating it, yes. But all of us can be deep thinkers in that respect. But when you saturate in God's Word, you are learning God's language. Yeah. You know, and I just got off the phone with Peter Kapsner in France who you know has to point at pastries and grunt because he doesn't know any French. <laughs> but if you know God's word, you can speak God's language. Right. Um, and you you live much a much different life. I mean, Peter's experience would be significantly different yep. if he was fluent in French. Right. Right? Right. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, is what Paul says mm-hmm. in Colossians. So, so that's just what we want to be, is people who let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so we have rich things to share with with one another. That's really all we want to do here is share what God says <laughs> as best we can understand it. And for you to be effective, you have to be excited about 
yourself. You have to be excited about God's word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You do. And if you're not, what? It's you will not soak in something you're not excited exactly. about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. We're going to take a little break. Uh, John and Pam Bloomer in studio. Uh, we'll be back in 90 seconds. music gets you thinking deep, because that's what we're doing today, Deep Thinker Thursday. John and Pam Bloom are in studio. You know John from DesiringGod.org. And they just got back from a trip to the Philippines. That's two overseas flights in about uh, four months. You guys are big-time travelers now. Yeah, it was really like in about a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Oh, was it that long? Yeah, that close? That's that close, yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah. So, so unusual for us. Yeah. You got a chance to speak a number of times, and would you give us some uh, reflections on uh, your time there? Yeah, so um, I was brought over primarily um, to speak at a young adults conference there in Manila uh, called Freedom Fest. June 12th is the Filipino Independence Day, and so um, a a man who runs a, a, a large, very successful event company so they put on concerts you know they're the ones who manage large events if somebody's you know large if you know an artist comes in and is putting on a con- concert or corporations are putting on big events uh, their company handles that and one of the ways he wanted to use his skills and his networks and, and things like that to serve the kingdom was to put on events um christian events and so he organized this this reoccurring conference called freedom fest and uh and so i was asked to come and speak at that, but but we uh, while I was there, also preached at a couple different churches. One very large, well-to-do church, and one small, uh, humble little church. And it was wonderful to see the work of the Holy Spirit in both those places. Um, just like here, you know, like God is no respecter of size of churches. Just like, and He's no respecter of wealth, and He's no respecter of you know anybody's giftings. He gives us giftings and callings, and he's happy when we use those faithfully, but it's not like he's impressed by our gifts. Um, next to him, they're not all that impressive. So um, we were at this, we were at a large church, met some very godly people there, um, and saw what the Spirit was doing. The Lord blessed the uh, the message, and I got to, to, both Pam and I got to talk with folks afterwards, and then we went to this little church the next day and a little reformed baptist church in a very poor neighborhood in manila and they're stewarding their calling there very faithfully a group of godly leaders in the church and the people were very precious um they their congregational singing was out of this world i bet so they just used a piano and voices the voices were the primary instrument and it was so refreshing and i've got no beef against you know contemporary music i we you know, there's a lot of wonderful music that really edifies me. Um, but it was, this was a, they, they only sang hymns and it was beautiful. That congregation knows how to sing. They sang in full parts, mm. loud. They filled their their auditorium with beautiful song. And it was so, so wonderful as they sang out their hearts to the Lord. So it was, that was, um, that was great. 
Would you like more of that in your regular life here back in the States? Yes, I, I, I miss I miss it. I'm so I'm 53. So you know, I remember when most of the churches that I, you know, attended, basically, either is using organ or piano, and and it was congregational singing, and um, you know, so like the first 20 years of my life or so, that's the way it was, and then and everyone sang, didn't they? And everybody sang. Yeah. Um, one of the and then since then, um, most most of the church environments I've been in since, you know, in the, in the second half of my life, have been in more contemporary environments. And so both of them have wonderful things to offer. The, the, one of the drawbacks, I think, of, of a band or like an amplified sound approach is that you can lose the, the voice of the congregation. It's hard to hear other people sing. What you're mainly hearing is the instrumentation and the lead singers, and you don't necessarily hear the people around you um, in ways that 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 uniquely, I think, edify us when we actually hear them. So I, it reminded me that I miss that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then when, when we did the, the Young Adult Conference, it was, it was wonderful. There was about 1,000 people that filled this little auditorium, and, um, and there was a number of, of other gifted speakers. They asked me to do the closing. Uh, it was a one-day, kind of a one-day conference. They asked me to do the closing message. And so I, the, the whole theme was living by faith. And they asked me to, to speak on the freedom of living by faith. And so that's what, that's what I did. I, what I did was I recited um, Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 1 through Hebrews 12, 2. So just a little over a chapter. That, that whole hall of faith mm-hmm. thing. I just I recited from memory. Um, just to kind of wash the, the listeners in in the word and 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 recite it like you know in like you would speak it like you'd preach it and um, and then use that to to basically bring a challenge how free do you want to be because the people in Hebrews eleven that are listed um, especially when you you know some of the major characters like Moses and, and Abraham and folks like that, these people were free. And what made them free was the, what they considered to be home, where their home was. That's what made them free. Their home, they, they were free to live on earth and follow God and live and do risky things because they acknowledged that they themselves were strangers and exiles on the earth and they were seeking a better country that is a heavenly one. And the people who do that are the freest people on the earth because they are the freest people from the earth. I want to say that again because it's the first line of this great article that you wrote. Who are the freest people in the world? And the freest, the people who are freest, who are freest from the world. I didn't even say that well, but... Yeah, who are the freest people in the world? I gave it my best. freest people from From the world. From the world, yes. That's right, that's right. Now, you know, I know there's that that adage um, that, you know, don't be so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. Uh, that that is just a very misleading adage. There's a a false spirituality that can produce that. Um, We might think back to some of the... um, you know, we might think of people who are uh, want to retreat from the world, ascetic people who want to retreat from the world, 
um, and, and, you know, get close to God and, and things like that. Um, but that's not the picture of the, in, in the Bible, are people who just retreat and live solitary, hermit-like lives um, in order to, to be close to God. Um, living alone as a hermit does not necessarily make you close to God. Um, we are meant to live in community. And so, so the, the, the people that we see in the Bible, the, pe- the people who are most full of faith, were people who trusted God with all their heart, did not lean on their own understanding, and believed that there was a reward coming, that there was something beyond this life that freed them to do the hardest and best good. You know, if you look at anybody throughout history, a lot of the great sacrificial things that have been done um, to serve people have been done by those who, who are Christians, and they do it because they know this life isn't the, their primary life. This life is Christ. Death is gain. There is a reward coming. And they're the people who, like Jesus, they, 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 are, they are like Jesus in that they are looking for the joy set before them. And therefore, they can endure whatever their cross is and despise the shame um, and because they know. They know that, that they are going to be in the presence of God. Their reward is coming. And so those are the people who do the hardest and best good in the world. The people who are, who are um, mo- the people who, who don't do as much good are, you know, I, I, let me say it like this. The more tied to the world we are, the more tied our happiness is to what we can get now, the less risk you're going to take. The less risk you're going to take. You're not, you're, you're not going to be free to do the hardest and best good because you're afraid. You're afraid you're going to lose whatever reward, you know, whatever's going to make you happy. And, uh, and so that's really the lesson, I think, of, of Hebrews 11 is there's a reward, and it's not here. And the more we get in touch with that, the more free we become to do the hardest and best good. So does the enemy try to whisper in our ear, you should be comfortable? Yes, all the time. And to scare you. <laughs> so you should, be, you should be comfortable and don't do that because you will, not only will you be miserable, you will be dangerous, you're going to do this, people are going to think this of you. I mean, all those messages, all those messages, we are all very familiar with those fears, and they bind us up. They bind us up from, from doing good. It's, it's fear. Mm. Fear um, that we are going to lose what's going to make us happy. Interesting. All right. Uh, how free do you really want to be? That's going to be the subject as we return from our break. John and Pam Bloom are in studio. We call this Deep Thinker Thursday. Again, uh, how free do you really want to be? That's the big question. We'll be back uh, in a little bit. question for you and me is, are we really living 
in the freedom Christ has given us. In studio are John and Pam Bloom, and you know John from DesiringGod.org. And they just got back from a trip to the Philippines where John was able to speak to a youth group. And freedom uh, got to be a big issue. How free do you want to be? And John, you did a nice job of setting the table. And uh, if we can dig into some more of that, I would love it. Yeah. I think I think right now, um, most of the conversations that I hear, discussions about about Christian freedom, have to do with identity. We we think of we think of you know being free in Christ. We think of you know, um, kind of what's giving us a sense of identity. Are we drawing that from from Christ, or are we drawing it from something else? And of course, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, making sure that our identity is grounded in in Christ, but there's a dimension that I don't hear much about um, these days, and that's the f- the freedom of believing in the resurrection, meaning that 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 death is not the end. One of the reasons that um, affluence, so those of us who live in in the United States in particular, um, even even those here who we would consider in in the lower classes, um, live at a a level of affluence that is above most of the world. A lot of it is, is, a lot of the people live at at, uh, very poor or destitute poverty. And um, we, we have friends in the Philippines who, who are, um, li- you know, live difficult lives with regard to poverty, uh, but they are rich in faith. We saw that. We visited them. I, I, I was there when I was 19 years old in the Philippines, spent six months in Manila uh, doing some mission work and met a family there and have stayed in touch all these years, but haven't seen them for 34 years. And so when we were there, we visited them. And uh, and it was a treat to to spend a day with that family, um, but I saw that though they have very little and live in live in a, a a home that none no American would think would be adequate for them, they are rich in faith, and in many in some ways more free than than many of us are. Because of because of our wealth, the key to living free um, is not just like where are we drawing our identity, but where is our home? Where's home for us? That's a big issue. If if we feel like if we if we live our Christian lives as if as if well, I'm going to get as much as I can here and as much happiness as I can, and then and then heaven, heaven's a great place that I can go when I die. But I want before then, I want to live, you know, right. uh, and get as much as I can. We we do not understand the levels of poverty, spiritual poverty that we we experience because it's masked with a lot of material affluence, and we think that that money and all the things that it brings will bring a level of satisfaction that, that we can't live without when in actuality we might be more free if we had less. Now, I'm not romanticizing poverty. I'm just saying there's a reason why Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God than for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And that's because the, there's, there is the deceitfulness of riches. They, they deceive us in terms of what is going to make us happy and what we can can and can't live 
without. The key to living free as a Christian in the, in the New Testament, especially in Hebrews chapter 11, is where home is for us. So what made our faithful forebears, those are the people who are listed in, in Hebrews 11, what made them free was who they ultimately believed in, so that would be God, and where they believed he was leading them. Um, and, and here's what it says in Hebrews eleven fourteen through 16. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. And if they'd been thinking of that land from which they'd gone out, they would have had op- opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The whole New Testament is oriented toward the resurrection and toward the, the age to come. What, was, what, get, what gave those early Christians so much hope was, was what was being promised them. And that gave them the freedom to lay down their lives as martyrs and lose their jobs and all sorts of very difficult things, all sorts of suffering. And uh, there are places in the world where Christians suffer a lot. And we have some, some friends now who live in, in countries where they're heavily persecuted they lose their jobs and um and we're you know and they and they do it with joy because god is a greater reward for them than their lifestyle is it's they don't look at their lifestyle and say and and measure god's blessing based on their lifestyle they measure their blessing based on what jesus has purchased them and then frees them from needing to be bound to a particular affluent lifestyle in order to be happy because they know their reward is somewhere else. So that's why Jesus told the rich young man who came to him, one thing you lack, sell all you have, give it to the poor, you will have treasures in heaven and come and follow me. You will have treasure in heaven and you will be free, come and follow me. And he could not do that. And oh, that that may not happen to us, that we would desire a better country that is a heavenly one, that we would really desire it because we really believe it exists. And, uh, and those are the people, those people who are like that are the people who are free here. They're the freest people on earth. And because we're not really used to hearing this kind of talk of like, well, what does that freedom mean? It's, it, it's not familiar. And I like how later in the article you, you define it. You said that's why Peter tells us to, that um, he defines freedom. He says we are Free to live, this is you quoting Hebrews thirteen fourteen. Um, we are free to no longer live as captives of the world's values and claims and cravings and threats, since we have we have no lasting here. We have no lasting city, and we are free to walk by the Spirit, not gratifying the desires of the flesh, since. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we are free not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but to lay up for ourselves indestructible treasures in heaven. And we are free to be content in whatever situation we find ourselves, since we know that we that our Heavenly Father will supply all our needs. And we are free to die, since to be with Christ in his heavenly country is far better than anything we would have here. Yep. That's what Peter means when he says, live as people who are free. That's 1 Peter 2.16. Live as people who are free. 
And Paul, Paul in Philippians 4, learned, said he learned the secret. He learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, we, we often pull that verse out, I can do all things through him who mm-hmm. strengthens me, and we apply it to like, I can get, you know, do this great thing. I can achieve this great thing. You know, I can reach this goal. And I've heard that quoted a lot out of context. Paul isn't, I mean, perhaps if if that's if God is leading you toward a particular goal to do things you know you he's going to give you the grace to overcome but that that's not what Paul that's not the context that Paul was saying that what he was saying is and he was writing in prison so he's saying you know there are times I'm facing destitution and there are times I have an abundance and and I have learned the secret of being content in every situation that I'm in abundance and need I can do all things through him who strengthens me I am free I don't need either like I'm not, I don't need abundance to be happy. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And wow, if that is the way we are living, you are free to do whatever. <laughs> you are free to do whatever, go wherever, say whatever. That's freedom. That's, that's freedom. I love it. Nicely said. So, Pam, uh, you were giving some thoughts at the break about just the disparity of wealth um, that you saw you had an opportunity mm-hmm. to be kind of at a nice level of uh, hospitality in terms of where you guys were staying and and yet mm-hmm. you saw a great disparity and there was things that just I'm sure broke your heart a little bit didn't it right so we talked at the beginning I have not traveled very much we it's been some gaps of where times that I've been out of the country um, I've never been to Asia never been to the Middle East till recently and We've kept in contact with his family and received letters and pictures, but to be there was really eye-opening. And we spent our first part of our stay in a five-star hotel. Now, it it was not as expensive as it would be here, but it was still, we were among the wealthy. The staff was always accommodating to us and opening the elevators for us. We were served very fine meals and wonderful hospitality there and toward the end of our trip we visited the family that we've kept in contact for 30 years and we were shown amazing hospitality in their home their the footprint of their house is the size of many closets I, I don't know the dimensions but that in order to accommodate their growing family they have built up they started with a dirt floor poured a cement, like were given gifts so they could pour a cement floor, cinder blocks. And so these children that John met when they were 11 now are adults with children and grandchildren. Wow. And their children don't have homes. So some of their children are still living with them, with their grandchildren. Some choose not to stay there and are homeless. They live outside of a, a street, out of a store. Um, one of their sons lives in the cemetery. There is no shelter. They're raising children on the streets. And I was just dumbfounded. Like they've, they've built up for another sister and her, she has no walls. Like her walls are made out of like our Ikea bags, like the hard, like tough plastic or tarps, Mm -hmm. many gaps in her wall. It was. And what is the temperature like and smell like? I mean, help me with this. 
Well, it's, you know, obviously it's warm there. It's in, it's, it would be in the 90s and mm. muggy during the day. And, uh, so, you know, it's a different climate than it is here. Um, and, 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 the, and the children who are living homeless are doing so because they're choosing a particular lifestyle. You know, they have the option to come back home. What we're, what we're saying is, is they live at a level that, that, like, you know, the footprint might be 10 by 10 or 8 by 10, yeah. you know, something like that. That's a floor. Six people might live in that room. Um, and uh, that, we don't say that to, to at all, you know, <laughs> embarrass them. It, it, that's the way a, a lot of the world lives. In fact, that's the way Jesus probably lived. We were, when we were visiting Israel, we saw where they had excavated Capernaum. And we looked at the, at the dwellings, at the size of the dwellings. Those dwellings were smaller than, than, mm-hmm. than the ones that we saw in the Philippines with our friends. And, um, and I, we thought, how do did, how did they live like that? Well, um, that's how a lot of the world has always lived and still does. And, it's, and their happiness does not depend on it. It doesn't mean that, that poverty is easy. It doesn't mean that, that their lives are easy. It's not. It's not. And uh, we, what we do is our best to, to help them um, as the Lord provides for us and whatever. But um, it, it, they are not dependent on that for faith. They are part of a church there. They hold Bible studies there in their home. They welcomed us into their home. We, we sat around a guitar and worshiped with them. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we just, like we, we saw, Christ is there. The Holy Spirit is there. There's sustaining grace for that for for their living, and so they can be free. We can be free. We 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 must be able to reach a point where we can do all things through Him who strengthens us, and especially those of us with means, because we have means given to us by God, not so that we hoard it for our own luxury and our own future financial security, but to be a channel of blessing to those who don't have as much. I mean, we're we're, we're going to have to give an account for what we have been given in light of the, the global need. And so it's something that we just need to continue to keep coming to terms with. That's a very humbling conversation to listen to these descriptions. It's, it's, it's hard to hear. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's hard to, it's hard to see and it ought to be, and it ought to move us to action, but also to question what our assumptions are. Um, we don't need near as much as we think we do. Yeah. Let me take a break. John and Pam Bloomer in studio. We're going to take a very short 90-second break, and then we'll finish up. Welcome back to the show. 12 minutes until the top of the hour. John and Pam Bloom are in studio. We're talking about uh, being free. Isn't it great to be free in Christ? And the question is, how free do you want to be? And when you understand that Paul is saying, whether I have little or a lot, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, to have that level of contentment and to be aware of what's going on globally. They just got back from the Philippines and experienced in Manila, a city of 28 million people practically living on top of each other. And Pam, you said 
They will drive a couple of hours to, just to get to a Bible study. Yes. They will it, travel for a couple of hours. They will. Each That's, way. Yes, just the commute to work. They're getting Yikes. up at 3, 4 in the morning. Two-hour commute, work a day, stand in line for an hour to for transportation to come, another two-hour commute, and then you're home. I don't know where they get groceries or, like, our friends who were missionaries there said we looked across the street and saw the grocery store, but it took two hours to do the U-turns and, and to get there and back. Uh, it, and their descriptions of the, the con- our experience with the congestion and their description of daily life felt oppressive to me in my context. I thought, I'm not going to complain about road construction. Right. And, like this is not, <laughs> we live in a relatively small city, but I don't have anything to complain about. And they just were saying, this is, we were so apologetic. Like we're putting you through this drive. And they said, it's life. It, this is, this is life. They were remarkably buoyant, cheerful, happy to serve us. And so the contrast of my feelings and, and how I watched them and they're, they're very sacrificial with their time. Like I'm the pastors and the, the, Members of the Bible study, yeah, it's taking two hours to get to the Bible study from work, be there, and then home late. One of the things that we have to, let me just say this, it's it's easy to communicate these things in a way that ends up producing a kind of guilt. Um, hold on. <coughs> so... The, the point, the, our point is not to create guilt because there's poverty in the world. Um, but we, what, what, I, what we do need to see is that is the assumptions of affluence are huge. We, we, if, you, if we've grown up in, in the United States or any Western affluent nation, we're, we just bring all sorts of assumptions about what normal life is, what life ought to be. We can complain about all sorts of things things that we feel deprived about, that when we live incredibly privileged, privileged lives, it's, it's really important for us to, to examine our assumptions and to begin to pray. So, so, so you know, what we want to do is bring our lifestyle before God and say, Lord, what I don't want is for my blind spots and my assumptions to control me so that it dampens my ability to know you and to be free to do um, the, the hardest and best good. I mean, I want to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. I want to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, to please you in all respects, to bear fruit in every good work and increase in my knowledge of you. And I want to share you and... Do whatever it takes, Lord. Do do whatever it takes in me to come to terms with, so that I'm not I'm not bound up by and and consuming too much of the of the resources that you're giving to me that really could be used to bless others. But I just think I need this. I need this. I need to live at this level. I need to have this size house. I need this kind of a car. I need this. I need this. I need you know. We we need this this many clothes. Um, we need to be very very careful because we are being given a, a remarkable resource. And what we talk about at Desiring God is, is trying to live wartime lifestyles. And all that simply means is, is enough for us and plenty for others to live in a way where we, f- we live at a lifestyle 
that is focused on winning the war effort, the war effort meaning the spread of the kingdom around the world and reaching the unreached and helping those who are persecuted and bringing relief um, to the poor, especially the poor in Christ. And, uh, and so enough for ourselves and, and free up resources for the, for the war effort. And, um, and to not fall into the error of thinking that, that our affluence is a sign of God's favor. It's not necessarily a sign of God's favor. That's not how the, the New Testament speaks about it at all. In fact, it can be a sign of God's judgment. Um, the, just, just read what the New Testament says about wealth and the dangers of it. And as you're talking, I'm thinking about a friend of ours who they don't publicize their giving, but we just know some of their stories of them. They are committed to a very simple lifestyle. They are committed to when they receive money, they give out as much as they can. They have given large amounts and they can't outgive God. The more they give, more money is coming in and they're very private about it, but we just know that millions have gone through their hands and they have said, we will not keep this. And they are the happiest people. I know that from being here at the station when we do our shares and we have listeners show up with these incredibly large gifts Mm. and they're coming from such a generous Mm -hmm. giving heart and Mm -hmm. they seem to be the most joyful too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you give whatever you can give and there's some people that give sacrificially and it might be $20 because that's sacrificial. It's the same joy. Yeah. It's the same joy, it's and, the same, yeah. and, and, that's, and God's accounting, Jesus looked at the woman who gave the last two cents that she had, the last two copper coins, and said she has given more than anybody else here because she gave all that she had to live on. That's how God does his accounting. It's not how much you give. It's out of, out of, you know, out of what are you giving? Out of, out of faith. So like the Macedonians, Paul talked when he was talking to the Corinthians, he's talked about the Macedonians. Macedonians who, out of their extreme poverty, overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Those people are free. They're free. For free from the love of money, we are incredibly free on earth. So what are we willing to give up in order to achieve this freedom we speak of? That's the, that's the question that we need to lay before the Lord. Because, mm-hmm. because what we are called to give up, uh, it would be different for, for each person. So Jesus says to us, you know, like when we, we're tied to things, it feels like we're losing life to give them up, to lose them. And that's why Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now we, we get scared at, oh, losing my, losing my life. Losing my, no, 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 no. Don't concentrate on losing your life. Concentrate on finding it. Because what, what, we're, what we miss is the fact that if you don't do that, what you think is your life is, your, is, is losing life. It's draining away. You're hemorrhaging your life through wasting it. Um, but if you want to find your life, you just say to Jesus, anything, God, anything. Because I want you. It's a scary you. prayer. It, 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 it's only scary to the degree that we don't believe that he is the most generous father in the whole world. Is, do not be afraid. Um, little children. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I was just setting you up. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I know it's a scary no, question it is for many. Scary. It yeah, is, yeah. Our flesh we revolts against it. We, I know that. Mine does too. But we've got to push against that and say, what is that? Do we want life or not? Do we want freedom or not? What a productive trip. I, I love hearing these stories and this 
this trip, this visit to this family, I don't know if I'll get that out of my head for any time, anytime soon. Because that whole scenario makes me think real hard about how I live and how claustrophobic I would be in that tiny environment, in a very hot and sweaty environment where mm-hmm. I don't sleep. And there's, ah. <laughs> yeah, I would be very crabby and want more privacy. Oh, and totally. They, there's incredible joy in a heart to serve us. I mean, and, I think the studio is small, and this thing is a penthouse compared to their house, isn't right, it? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's crazy. Blooms, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story with us. And, John, um, this we need to be set free. We need to get serious with God, and we need to ask him, what what is I need to let go of so I can do what you call me to do? That's been an inspirational message, so thank you. You're welcome. And uh, thanks for listening today. I know it has been uh, a day with all kinds of discussion, and we had a great time with the... Uh, Dr. Peter Kapsner and Dr. Jim Bilby. If you missed any of your guide talk, I really, I recommend going and listening to that. And if you missed part of this interview with the Blooms, you're going to want to hear it from the beginning. So I know you might have jumped in your car 10 minutes ago and you're just catching the tail end of this, but it's been a great day. Thank you so much for supporting Faith Radio and uh, listening and caring about us. We sure love you and, and you're, you're amazing. So we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.